Welcome everyone, your next session on Profit Club and Profit Club Academy. And I'm, I'm continuing to find different avenues to, to keep Profit Club interesting and exciting. And I've tracked down Karen Chaston, who's joined us today to talk about an interesting topic um, beyond loss and humanizing the workplace. Karen, thanks for joining us on Profit Club. Thank you, Paul, for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Now, I came across you, Karen, I think we met originally, I think it was the day that Michael Griffith was uh, doing the recording and I were doing the recording for the uh, Ultimate Referral Training System in Sydney. And you, you, you came along and watched, uh, watched part of that. And then I, I followed your work and now and I watched a webinar a few weeks ago and I thought, this is, this is stuff we should get onto Profit Club. And then here we are. Yeah, thank you. It's well, nice when you've been connected for a while and then you, you know, it's really interesting. People connect and they think, oh, why aren't they more connected now? But it's always when it's meant to happen, which is a great lesson in life because we always try and rush things, don't we? So we're going to try a little bit of different tact. So Karen, Karen's background, she's, she's a beyond loss mentor. She's a speaker, author. She assists people to move beyond any kind of loss and create a better everyday life. And what really, really uh, picked my attention with Karen, a lot of her presentations are corporate based. It's, it's, People, the people and profit connection was one of her presentations. How to easily motivate your employees and increase profits. And then the, the topic for today's presentation, the gift of loss, how humanizing the workplace leads to greater fulfillment, productivity, and profits. And I love everything where this is going. She's an author. She's written multiple books, a journey to becoming your own best friend, uh, Beyond a Mother's Worst Nightmare, Mere Teenagers Playing Grown-Ups. <laughs> I love that title. Um, Live Love by Design. And she's got multiple e-books. Uh, like I said, she's, she's a wealth of information on, on everything to do with humanizing the workplace. So, can before we start, can you give us your backstory? Because that, that relates very heavily to how you ended up where you are. Do you want to give us the story of your how you got to where you are today? Yeah, thank you, Paul. Because let's face it, I don't think... Anyone grows up thinking they're going to become a beyond loss mentor. And how it happened for me was, you know, I'm, you know, in my early 60s. And we all have, you know, we seem to live a loop of, you know, love to loss, love to loss. It's a sort of an infinity loop. And whilst we all want to stay in love, it's actually the loss events that I've found in my life that actually give you the, the greatest gifts if you choose to look for them. And for me, one of my most horrific days was back on the 10th of July in 2011 when my husband and I woke up thinking we were going to have a lazy Sunday at home. But within minutes, we were rushing out the back door trying to wake our 27-year-old son, Dan, who unfortunately was never meant to wake up that day. He had already passed away several hours prior to us finding him. And at that time, I was a corporate CFO of a publicly listed company and very much into adrenaline and cortisol, which was rampant through my body and I didn't even realise it. And so I just returned straight to work straight after his funeral eating more, drinking more, and working even harder, which was surprising because I was already working six days a week. And what I've found along that journey since then, you know, it's nearly nine years since we found Dan, 
and was that that was meant to have been my wake-up call. Dan was never meant to have woken up that day. It was always meant to have been me. And because I didn't wake up that day, I just tried to carry on with, you know, the normal life, even though I did have an empty spare chair at the table, so to speak, I, the universe wasn't happy. It was like, hey, Karen, that was meant to have been your wake-up call. So 15 months later, the universe sort of gave me a second slap in the face, which came in the form of me having to choose whether to move with a newly merged company, doing everything I'm doing now plus more, as they stated, were two-thirds of my salary. And I'm so glad to say that, you know what, that was the greatest gift they ever gave me because it allowed me to stop and actually go, do you know what, I'm only here for the money. And I had never even realised it up until then. And that's what started me on this journey to figuring out what everything was about. And, you know, I was an amazing accountant um, and CPA, and I'm still a CPA. I'm never going to give up that status, even though I now know that I now understand people. And I really didn't understand people when I was a CFO. I understood the numbers, but I didn't understand the people. And that's what I love about what I do now is I understand both. What was the transition though? So, so your second, I mean, obviously a traumatic story, but then this, but the second wake up call, what you, you decided, no, I'm not going to go down the corporate path again. Did yeah, you, well, did you see an opportunity yeah, I, to then move into this? Cause it was your passion. Well, actually, what I initially did when I left, I thought I was going to, I I became a life coach and I thought I was going to actually help women to rise as women in the corporate space, not as men as I had done. And and it just never took off the way that I would like for it to have taken off. And it was totally my own fault in hindsight because when it came really close to me connecting with a lot of, you know, people that I could have helped, I very quickly realised that I don't want to be around those women. They are too hard. um, They don't want to change. They don't feel that there's any requirement to change. And I realised it was me. I realised that I would never have listened to me when I was in that role and in that Groundhog Day days, as I love to call it. So I thought, why am I trying to help people to change when they really don't want to change? And then I very quickly had this lady who was helping me. She suggested it. She said, Karen, I I don't understand why you're not helping people move beyond loss. Like the way you have recreated and reinvented yourself and the way that you are so passionate about your son on the other side. You, you give him credit for everything you've done. You constantly are telling people how he's travelling with you and guiding you and leading you to help other people to know that just because they've passed, it doesn't mean they're not here. And, and from there I just went, yeah, you're right. So I quickly refocused. And I learned so much along that way and I was amazed at how misinformed we've all been for centuries about all sorts of loss. But then, but then you also worked it into the corporate world. So yeah. what I liked is how you, how you packaged that 
not just dealing with loss of, of a family member, but you then you, you went into a business or, or how that can, how you can use that knowledge to then boost and promote your business, which I really enjoy. Oh, totally. You know, because we, we so many times in when we expect people to rock up each and every day and to become one dimensional, you know, leave all of your baggage at the door as you're walking here and then work all day doing everything that we give you to do. And then as you leave, you can sort of pick up your then life, your family and all of this other stuff. And it just doesn't work. And as much as we say, oh, my God, just leave your home life at home, you know, you're here for eight hours, work for eight hours. But once we allow people to embrace all areas of their life 24-7, they actually start to realise that every single area of their lives, and in my model, I have nine different areas of life, they realise how entwined they all are. So if you're only focusing on one, which is what I was, you know, in my corporate space, I was probably 85% in my professional space, you know, and the rest was, you know, all intermingled into that 15%. And I realised that the more you focus on you, the more that you can actually assist other people. And that's where my, you know, everything is, is the more we help our people to be thriving in all areas of their life, especially physically, they will then be able to help us to generate the profits and the community and the environment that we want in the workplace. What, what, did, you, what did you learn from your, when you look back now at your corporate existence, at your life in the corporate world, what have, what have you learned about corporate world and about yourself looking back on it now, what's, what's, the, what's the new perspective compared to what you used to think? Oh, my God, my perspective is completely different to what I had, you know, just rising that ladder. And it's not easy as a female. It's, it's you know, and I'm not going to go into the old cliches and everything like that, but women, women do work harder than men to rise. Uh, we, you know, we're not the ones who will hang out, you know, with the guys and go, you know, to the sporting events and the this and the that and all that sort of stuff. And what I found along the way was I more or less had to become one of them. I, you know, I can remember back in the 80s, so many people giving me this advice and they thought it was well-deserved advice. Don't act like that if you want to get ahead. Like, don't be so feminine if you want to get ahead. And 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 we took on that advice because obviously there wasn't the information that, you know, we're now in the information age. And what I realised reflecting back was I lost me in the process mm. and, and I lost my human side. You know, I very much became, I can do things really quickly and really easily and therefore, my way is the only way. So I was very limiting to my employees. And what I found was I stopped them from being creative. I stopped them from being innovative, you know, which means I stopped the companies from growing in the way that they could have. And I also, by working people so hard, like, you know, I was always the first one in and the first one out. 
So therefore I expected that from my other employees, which was yeah. totally ridiculous. And I never gave him that time just to be. And if I went back into the environment now, I'd be completely different and I would allow people to be. And I know that every, you know, they, you know, I, I now have a practice that I do every 55 minutes, the alarm goes off and I jump up and I'll do, you know, five to 10 minutes of jumping jacks or having a drink or, you know what I mean? Just re-energizing me. And imagine if the whole workplace did that, like how much fun would that be? Mm-hmm. I, I love talking to people that have been through a long journey because we, we sometimes wait for, to go through it ourselves, but you can, you can learn a lot from what other people have gone through, which is what Project oh, One's all about. Totally. So, so let's get to the guts of the call today. And, and, the, and the title is, is, is important, The Gift of Loss. So very important, The Gift of Loss, how humanising the workplace leads to greater fulfilment, productivity and profits. Can we start with an overview? Because when I think about loss, when I, before I started your work, I thought, well, that's just when someone dies. But, yeah. but that, there's, a, there's a range of loss events. Can you go through some of them and, and what yeah. they all are? Sure. Give yeah. some examples. And yeah, you know, and I totally agree. Most people do think loss is death. Whereas there are over 40 different loss events that can affect our lives. And whilst the most common ones are death of a loved one, a divorce or partnership breakdown, your job loss, your health, your wealth, even your pets, they're the most, you know, common six that most people can go, yeah, I can tick that. Most of that's probably happened in my life. But now in the, you know, current scenario that we all find ourselves in, some of the minor ones are coming to the forefront. Loss of freedom, loss of choice, loss of status, changing work conditions, changing social activities, changing recreational activities. You know, there's so many things that are minor which we don't put down to loss. And that's what causes us a lot of grief because we turn back and we go, there must be something wrong with me. Something as, as, you know, beautiful as moving residence, you know, Mm. that is a loss. You're leaving your own residence, your old residence, and you're moving to a new one. You may be upgrading or you may be downgrading. And, but people, you know, it is a process to honour the old and then to bring in the new. And because we wouldn't see that as a loss, people will go, what's wrong with you? You know, move on. You've just gone to a better house. Why are you still, you know, upset or feeling connected to the old place? Little things like that. So it could, it could mean, and, and everyone's got, from what I can gather then, Karen, everyone's got their own hierarchy. So it, it, a, a death of a, or retirement may affect someone negatively, but it could affect someone positively. Like that's a loss event for some. It's a great event for others. It, yeah, and, you know, that reminds me of a story, Paul, that I can remember back in the 80s I was uh, working for a company and we had a consultant come in to help us and he was retired. He um, he was on the Gold Coast. He was retired and he used to own seven McDonald's stores. And he actually said, you know, we said, oh, you know, it's good you're doing some consulting work. He says, yeah, I'm no one now. Everyone just thinks I'm a rich guy who plays golf all the time. He says, when I had seven McDonald's stores, I had status. Everyone went, oh, wow, you know, look who he is. So he went through a real lot. And he even said, I wished I had kept at least one of those stores 
because I became no one when I retired, which is a choice. And if he'd gone through the process of actually unwrapping the gift of loss, he would never have felt that. He wouldn't have lost his status. But so many times people tie who they are to their career. Mm. Is, is loss, Karen, different to change? Are they, are they the same or are they? I think they're pretty similar. And I honestly believe that a loss will come to you to assist you to change. You may be on a pathway that isn't your ideal pathway or this change or this loss will happen in your life to assist you to, you know, if we want to go your purpose for your life or your passion for your life. Like, let's face it, if Dan had never have passed, I probably would never be doing this. And I, and I know that this is my purpose in life. You know, and some people might even say I'm a little bit too woo-woo at times, but I honestly believe that it was, it was Dan and my life plan for this to happen the way it happened. Well, you reckon you're, you're so woo-woo. I, I spent years in Profit Club. It was all about the numbers. It was profit. It was billing. It was employment. Everything to do with the detail of the business. I'm getting more and more into things like this. So there's more yeah. of the, the, the different things. And, and for Profit Clubbers out there listening to this, Think about what your team are going through here. Um, changing careers, changing work responsibilities, having, these are some, some of on Karen's list of loss events, trouble with the boss, changing work conditions, loss of status. Like all those things happen as soon as you can, you can drive those things or make those things happen to your team members. And then there's their personal things, marriage, divorce, separation, pregnancy, adoption. In, in law issues, sexual difficulties, fertility problems, menopause, like the list is endless. It is endless. And, and, it's, and it's about realising, you know, like, you know, we all would probably love to be in our 30s forever. You know, like, <laughs> we look good, we feel good, we have fun in our 30s. But life is about experiencing and embracing every age. And to be quite honest, one of the things I love about getting older is the wisdom more than anything girls, it's like, oh, my God, I wish I'd known this when I was younger. I wish, I, you know, would have I embraced it? Probably not. But I wish I would have, you know, I would have made different choices with this understanding. Yep. And when you understand that there is a gift in every single loss, when you choose to look for it, you don't go as deep down into the grieving and the suffering. You start to actually go, okay, what is this about? And I was... 54, Dan, I was 54 when Dan passed. So it would have been I was 55 when I got this realisation that you are the only person you are going to spend your entire life with. So why are you putting yourself last and giving up on you and your dreams? Now, that was huge for me because I thought, oh, my God, you know, I put myself last so many times. I put, you know, a lot of the time I put the company I was working for before my, my family, let alone my health. And, you know, you're, you're all, everyone who's listening is, is a health practitioner. And I'm sure you've seen so many clients who are, who are literally having their bodies, using their bodies in a way that it's like they're a, irreplaceable you know you can replace everything in it but your body is your health you know your health is your wealth and the more that we understand that at a younger age the more the different choices we make because 
I, I went to the gym every day. I did all of this, but I was also drinking a bottle of wine every day. I was, you know, just grabbing whatever else I could as quickly as possible so that I could get back to, you know, eating at my desk, doing all of these unhealthy things, not realising that if I had taken the time to look after my health, I would have been, uh, I would have done so much more at work. I would have thought differently. I would have had more energy and I would have actually been more productive if I'd understood this. And that's why it's time for us to humanise the workplace. So people understand these things and employers understand it. The more that you work a person, the less you are going to get out of them. In your presentations, I know where this is going, you you cover the five Mm -hmm. steps of overcoming yep. loss. So there's five steps to it. So as a, and this is important. So as an employer, as a, as a, as a, as a human being, it's nicer. It's important for us to understand maybe how we can help people through these five steps. So that's again, for our team, for us as human beings, can you go through the, the five steps for me and how exactly what that can mean for us as if, if we're the employer of these people going through it? What are we going to okay. do? What's, what's the step? So a lot of the time, so let, let's step back one step before we go through the five because yeah. a lot of the time we wouldn't even know our employees are going through a loss. <laughs> you know, we, we may notice, oh, they're not as productive as they, you know, would have been. So I've even sort of gone a little bit st- step further like than that and it's like there's, there's the other two things that I've also brought into my presentations on this is understanding Maslow's needs, Right. And understanding that every employee in your, in your employment have needs. And where are they? And I know Maslow displayed his needs as a triangle. I like to display them as a staircase because you've got to understand where your employees are. And if they're just having their physical needs met and nothing else, like there's no esteem or fulfilment in their job, they're not going to give back. And another thing to understand is the way you're appreciating it. And everyone, and I loved Gary Chapman, he's brought his five languages of love into the five appreciation languages of the workplace as well. So are you actually appreciating your employees the way that they want to be appreciated, not the way that you like to appreciate people? So when you bring those two things into the workplace, you then create an environment where you're actually always looking at and talking to your employees So then you've created an environment where you will know what's going on for them, not only in the workplace, but also in their home life. Is there a concern, Karen, you get too too close to them? Or is that part that's what we're trying to do? We need to. Yeah, we need to get closer to them. Because the more we understand them, the more they understand you. And you can then, then they will go above and beyond because you understand them. Oh, he gets me. You know, he appreciates me the way I want to be appreciated. He understands that, you know, I can clearly see that my needs are being met and we've actually developed a plan so that I can step up that scale. So the more that the person is tied to you and your workplace and they have a community environment around the workplace, the more they'll go above and beyond for you. I think I think about my time as an employer and I'm thinking about, you know, if someone wasn't performing well at work 
And if someone had told me oh, it's because their cat died last week, I would have hit the yeah. roof. Said you've got to be joking. No, no I, that that's I feel terrible yeah. now that you've told me that. But it's true. But he, but when you think about it, you Let's know, it. <laughs> some people their cat is their children. They don't have any children, if you know what I mean. So it's all right for us to say, well, I'm based on what you know. I don't really like cats, but I'm just saying. But based on what you're thinking. You got to be joking! Like seriously, that's why they're down. What's wrong with them? And you'd probably go up to them in the old days, and you probably would have said, "Get over it, move on," you know, sort of thing. Whereas now you go, "No, wait a minute! They're they're emotionally hurting, so therefore there is a process, which is the five step process that you touched on earlier. And the first step is for us to stop, and we never really allow people to stop." We keep forgetting we're human beings. We're not human doings. It's in the being that we get to reconnect to all of us. We get to go, okay, what does this mean? You know, what does it mean for me now? What does it mean for me moving forward in all areas of my life? And I love to say that when you stop, you get to take that conscious loving breath. You know the one where you breathe deep down into your belly. And in your belly, most of you health professionals will know, are the nerve endings to the vagus nerves, which goes all the way up to your hypothalamus. So when you activate those nerve endings, you activate your brain. So you activate, you activate the way that you can go, okay, I've filled myself up with love and wisdom, what's the best steps forward? As opposed to frantically and emotionally trying to figure it all out. So you're a classic example, Karen. You just went back to work. You, when, when Dan died, you just, you just got oh. stuck back into it. Yeah, I just, and, and I even remember, my, my boss said to me, take some time off. They, they were looking at my duties, trying to figure out, what they could do for the next month without me there. As I said, I work six days a week. And I just went, no, I'm coming straight back to work. And they said, seriously, why? And I said, because what's the point of staying home? All I'm going to do is think about him. I'd rather be distracted. Which is everything I did is what I now advise all my clients not to do. It's, it's, I literally just shoved the emotions down and then I just poured alcohol and food and work on top of them just so they didn't have to come back up. And, of course, when they did, that wasn't that pleasant when they decided to come back up. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping people to realise that there is a process and emotions are what causes you all of your problems. It's the physical part of the relationship that has ended when the loss event happens. But the emotional and the spiritual part of your relationship will live on forever. And it's the emotions that we need to complete to figure out what it means for us now. And that's what this five-step process does. It assists you to have a healthy emotional relationship moving forward. Whether the person is dead or alive or whether it's your job loss, you know how many times are people made redundant and, and you know, they never get over it. I, I worked with a beautiful man in the late 80s, early 90s. He was made redundant. He never got over it. 
And in, to be quite honest, he should never have been made redundant, but that's what happened because he was a very senior manager in, in this company. And 15 years later, he died from cancer, which was caused from him never getting over the emotions of being made redundant. He ended up losing his finance, most of his finances, his health. He, you know, he'd still be alive today if he understood this process. Mm. Spending love, time with great grandkids. I love it in, in your in your presentation. Is in the, with the stop section, the first part. It is in stillness that you will have insights into what has happened to you and what it means for you moving forward. So it's in yeah. stillness. So it's it's not at work because, you, as you said, you're being distracted. You're yeah. not dealing with that. How how, how is is you're there avoiding. a is there a you're time avoiding. frame, Karen? How how long? The time frame is yours. And that's, and that's another thing about, you know, everything we've been taught about grief is it'll take years. You know, we even say, give it time, give it time, you'll get over it. You know, centuries ago, you know, a year later, you know, women would wear black for a year after their husband died, you know, and after the year, right, now you can sort of go on. And the time frame is yours. Society dictates a time frame, but it doesn't mean it has to be that time frame. It's up to you. You could do this process within days. If you, and, you know, and not that my process is Dr. Uh, John Martini's process, but he went into, where was the tsunami in um, 2004? He, he went into there. Um, it was 2004, wasn't it? January 2004. It was around then. Yep. There was a big tsunami. He went in there and he did the grief process within days to help people to move on after villages have been wiped out. Okay. Um, so, so, yeah, so it's, it's actually, not, even though mine is slightly different, but that's what I'm saying. The time frame is up to you. You can move beyond any kind of loss when you are ready to work through it. It's about working through your emotions. emotions. And you say, and, and, it's, and it's, it's social expectations. I remember listening to a Wayne Dyer presentation recently and he said that a guy that just learned his son, son was, was killed and he, he, was, he was out dancing that night. And, that, and yeah. someone said to him, what are you, what are you doing? You, you must be devastated. He said, I'm gonna dance at some stage. He said, I, I decide to do it now. Yeah. It's his, yeah. His, his own time. Yeah, he probably had a very good relationship with his son and he probably already worked through a lot of the emotions with it. Like when my father passed, my father had been sick for seven years. My father passing was a blessing for him because he wasn't the person that he was. He was just lying around. He ended up not even speaking or doing anything. So I, I very quickly had, you know, made my peace with my father long before he had actually even passed. So, it, you know, whereas Dan, of course, a healthy 27-year-old son went out the night before and then, you know, the last thing we expected to find him at our back door where he had passed away. So as, so as, as an employer, yeah. as an employer, mm -hmm. if one of my team members has a loss event, whether yep. not just with death, could be anything, any, any of these things we yep. talked about, did your, employer, did your employers back when Dan passed, did they do the right thing or should they have made you take time off? Like what can we do? to help our team members through this stop stage? Apart from sending them to me to go through the five-step <laughs> process, I, um, look, they did the right thing for what they knew at that time. So I'm not going to take anything away from them. Um, but in hindsight, no, they didn't do the right thing. 
that it, it is to understand that what we grieve and suffer from is our emotions. So if we are avoiding our emotions flowing through our body, we are, you know, forcing them. And as most health professionals will know that, you know, sickness comes from emotions that are stuck in your body that will, you know, fester into something else. So it is about helping people to allow their emotions to flow through their body in as you know quickly or as slowly as what works for them so we give them we give them permission to stop we, yeah we, 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 we give them permission to stop yeah and we also give them guidance you know to say look there are these processes out there and you've got to love the world we live in yeah. there's so many um, different ways to assist for your emotions to flow through your body because you can see you can see from the employer's perspective they well, great. Karen's come back to work. Gee, that we dodged a bullet there. Well, she was, we thought yeah, she would exactly. come back for ages. So let's just they did. see what happened. And, you know, the company, the company was starting the merger process. So they were really happy to see me back there. Okay. So give your team members permission to stop, empathise with them, help them find some resources, and you're at least being empathetic to their situation, regardless of what the loss event is, guys. Don't, don't, it doesn't have to be the death of a person. No, and realise that it could be something minor. And, you know, obviously, if, if it's a death of, just say it's, it's a pet, allow them to have time to grieve their pet. You know, the, your pets in your life are the only unconditional love relationship that most of us have. So it's allowing to, and understanding that because most people flick a pet off passing as, as being very minor. And you touched on it earlier about the hierarchy of loss events. You know, there is no hierarchy. Because it's your hierarchy. It's how it affects you. You know, and, and I think when I, I, I did, I touched on it when you, on the webinar that you were on that I ignorantly had a go at a girlfriend when she was going on and on and on about her divorce um, five years ago. And I was like, oh, my God, will you stop? You know, my son passed away and I've moved on. Can't you move on from your divorce? But I was wrong. Because she hadn't done the processes that I had done. So there is no hierarchy in loss. Where have this two guys know, I, as, as a therapist, for, for, as, a, as a health professional? Because your, your clients are going through loss events all the time. They might have lost the season of, of sport. They might have lost mobility. They might have lost their health. They can't swim anymore. There's loss events all the time. And you've got to be aware of them going through the same process and, that, that Karen's going through today. And there's one of the other ones too, which is a, 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 I can't remember the exact terminology of her, I don't have it in front of me, but it's about peaking too early. Like a lot of help, you know, people who are like an Olympian, you know, they could peak in their 20s, that's a loss for the rest of their life. From a high achievement, they're always trying to recreate another higher achievement and they may never do it again. That's huge for them to be able to understand that and to move through that. Okay. So step number one, we've got to, we've got to give them permission to stop and understand yeah. that they have to stop because it's in stillness they move forward. The second step you talk about is the accept stage. Can you take us through accept? Yeah. So the acceptance is where you start to take responsibility because in every relationship there's two people and it's about you understanding what happened, what didn't happen, what you said, what didn't, you know, what wasn't said, and to realise that moving forward, 
you know, you will be okay. Once you accept that this has happened, I've, I've met people, you know, 20 years later who have lost a child who still cannot mention that child's name, which I, I find quite incredible, um, mainly because they, they haven't accepted the fact that they've, they're still around them and they've, they've just moved on to their next adventure. So, yeah, acceptance is a... Is, is a great part. And if you, you know, look at Cuba Ross, their five stages ends with acceptance. So you can accept quite easily when you take the responsibility for what's happened, what didn't happen, what was said, what didn't, wasn't said. When you say take responsibility, you mean you, you, you just accept that that's what happened and you just, you can't do anything yeah. about it now. So. It's in the past. And, you know, what, you know, so many people carry all these regrets and all of these things with them. Oh, I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd said that. Oh, why didn't I do this? You know, you know, like my last words to Dan on this Saturday afternoon was, Dan, will you move your car? I want to get out. You know, I, I could have very easily have said, oh, my God, the last things I ever said to my son was that. But it wasn't. You know, I've, I've said lots of things to him since then. And in those circumstances, it wasn't as though I was like, oh, well, he's going to die, to, you know, tonight sort of thing. So, yeah. So it's about understanding that everything that happens, you did with the knowledge that you knew at that time. So accept it. Accept it that you did the right thing. Your intentions were not of malice. So what now, if, if we're going through the stop, say a team member goes yeah. through a loss event, we... We tell them it's okay to stop. Um, do they move into acceptance at their own pace, or how can do we know when they're in acceptance, or when they're still in the stop stage and need to need to not come back? So when they're stopping, you if 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 you want to guide them through them, if you want to help them, ask them, ask them questions, get them to talk about it. You know, one of the greatest things that I share with people is is most people don't know what to say when loss comes to them and, and they use all the old cliches and they say things like, oh, I'm sorry for your loss. Whereas for me, the best thing for you to say is, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to be here for you, but I'm here for you and I'm here to listen. And then you actively listen, which means that you don't listen to answer. You just listen for them to talk about it. And get them to talk about it so that they can come to acceptance, so they can talk about it. And you could even say, is there any regrets, you know? And, and if there was regret, say to them, but at the time, you know, what did you feel? Or, you know, and so that they can accept that every little event that they had with this person, every interaction they had with them, it came from a place of them being whoever they were at that time and understanding at that time. You know, hindsight's a great thing, but we've also got to understand that we didn't understand what we understand now. Do we also have to accept as an employer that there might be people who don't, who never come back, who never accept? They, they don't move yeah. through these stages. They're going to be stuck in the guilt or whatever they're, they're stuck in for years? Yeah. They possibly, yes. And that's, you know, and that's probably what a lot of uh, therapists, you know, some people are in therapy for them for the rest of their life, moving through it. Okay. So Not we that stop. I'm saying that. Yeah, we stop. We stop. We accept. 
and, and that could take, the stop could take whatever it takes. The acceptance phase yes. can take whatever it takes. So there's no, yes. there's no timelines here. Everyone's got their own journey they're on. And those things Correct. obviously, from, but from what I can gather though, help like you provide helps people understand the stages and, and moves them through quicker or moves it or gives them permission them to move through at yeah. their own pace. I, I, I move them through quicker because we, we do the exercises. I ask those questions and we do yeah. and we do a process so that we can very quickly come to move through it. You know, if you look at the Kuba Ross sort of thing, it's five stages where you go from the event happening to acceptance. And you know, you could go through depression, you can go through all of these different emotions and you and you it's not as though you go through them in order you could go through them in any order and then go through them two or three times but the more that you the more questions that you ask yourself and the more that you get the answers to them the more that you can understand that it's easier to accept because you have the answers and you have the understanding and you can see okay yes i did say that but this is why I said that. And it's, you know, and yes, this did happen or this didn't happen. You can see so, why we need, we need help with, with this because yeah, you'll, just, you'll, go through, you'll go through your own stage and you'll get stuck at a certain thing and you might years later read a book and, oh, that makes sense now, which you could have read it two years ago. Exactly. And we also live in a society where we've been more or less told to grieve alone and we have all of these non-coping mechanisms that I love to call them which I've used most of them. And, you know, it's face it, we have thriving alcohol and pharmaceutical industries, which is because it's just, just do it yourself. Just move on. Haven't you moved on from that? The things that we say to people, we don't realise what we're saying to people. And it's like, you know, no, help. I can help you to accept it. Let's talk about it. Let's actually, you know, let's talk about what is upsetting you. And more often than not, when someone talks about it they and say it out loud, they realise, oh, it's not as bad as what I feel it is. Yeah. It's, it's, you know what I mean? We make things a lot bigger in our own mind than what they are. And, but it, being there for someone, it is about listening and allowing people to say what they want to be and not bringing our expectations or our experiences into what they're saying because a lot of the time we judge people on those things, so therefore they don't say them. And it, it's, it's not easy to sit there and listen without bringing your own thoughts and opinions to try and make them feel better. Yep. And, you know, even something as simple as when someone's being emotional, when we touch them, it stops the flow of the emotion. And most people will say, oh, let me, you know, I'll hug you and make you feel better. But it stops the flow of the emotion. So it stops the emotion from flowing through their body. And just something as simple as that is, is sort of counterintuitive to the way mm. that we've been brought up. So we're better off if someone's upset, just a hand on the shoulder or not even, not even that? Don't even touch them. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, you know, like when someone starts crying around me, I just, I just go, don't stop it. Let it flow. Let it flow through your body. And they're going, but I'll, I'll, if, I, if I let it flow, I'll cry for five minutes. And I said, cry for five minutes, just do it. All right. Step, stop, accept. Yes. Third stage. Yep. The third side is identify. And I love identify because this is where we, we really get into the relationship and we, we realise that every relationship has hopes, dreams and aspirations. 
And it's about figuring out what they are. Because the more we figure out what they are, the more we can realise, oh, they're not going to come to fruition the way that we thought they would have. But then we can figure out different ways for it to happen. You know, like Dan was 27. Like I had so many, so many hopes and dreams for him. You know, he didn't even ever experience, he never got married, he never had children. So much that you expect for, you know, for your children that you want for them. So coming and realising those sort of things. And, you know, even with my job loss, I had so many things I wanted to do with that job. And, of course, I chose, you know, to leave. So it's coming to those realisations, but you know what, I can do them in another job or I can do them here and all these sort of things. But you've got to understand what they are first because a lot of the time you just push them to the side and you forget about them. And then you get to old age and you go, oh, yeah, that's right, I was going to do that, wasn't I? Oh, I never got to do that. That's a bit of a shame. That's right, isn't it? So, you say, when you say relationships, it's relationships with, as you said, with ourselves, our loved yeah. ones, our job, yeah. that's a relationship. Our health is a is relationship. relationship. Our, our wealth yeah. is a relationship. All these things we put yeah. meaning to, and it's probably only when we get in our deathbed, we realise and think, well, they weren't that really that important at all. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's too, you know, like a lot of the time we put so much value on things that don't even add to our life. You know, I, I, I did a post today, actually, I posted it on LinkedIn about joy. You know, we forget to bring joy into our lives. So many times we're in this Groundhog Day days and we're, you know, not even jumping out of bed. We slowly get out of bed, we go to work and then we, you know, we come home and we, you know, just keep doing that and that and that. And we're going, but where's the joy? Where's the joy in my life? And I'm at a stage that when I'm asked to do something, I'll go, will it bring me joy? Like, will it move me forward in where I want to be or will it bring me joy? And if, if I get a no, I'm going, well, I'm not doing it. Because what's the point of doing it? So we have to understand, about, understand our hopes, dreams, aspirations. But what I like best, yeah. as you said, that's, you have to understand that there are multiple ways for these hopes, dreams and aspirations to be fulfilled. And they might not be the way you originally thought. No, and more than likely, they'll be a lot better than what you thought as well. Because, you know, that's the old saying, if you want to tell God your plan, uh, if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> and it's so true. So we stop. And, and so exactly what, what can we do at this stage when they're identifying, what can we as an employer do to help our team members in this, when they're in the identify stage? What can we do or, or, or a helper? It's, it's always asking the questions. It's, it's asking them continual questions. So what does this mean for you now? So, you know, did you have any hopes with this, whatever it was? Okay, so what does it mean now? So just say, for example, you're about to make this person redundant. You know, so what, what does this mean for you now? How can I assist you to get into another job? Or, you know, what, what is it that you love doing? Or is, is there something else that you'd rather do? There's, there's so many different, it's the questions. It's always, your life comes down to the quality of the questions you keep asking yourselves. And most of the time, we don't ask ourselves questions. We ask other people questions, but we don't ask ourselves because it's in the answers that we actually get to know the action steps from where we are now because we go, okay, so the answer to this is this. So therefore I'm going to 
you know, learn new skills or I'm going to do something different so that I can get onto that pathway. So you think about someone going through a divorce or a breakup and they're, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. they're thinking about all the plans of the kids, the, the weddings, the, all the other things that they'd thought would be a certain way and now they're not going to be that way. So they've got to re-identify that the relationship they had with that thought and then re-evaluate yeah. if that's what it's going to look like now. Yeah, but they also take all of the good from that relationship and all of the bad. So then they can identify what they do not want and yeah. what they want. Because a lot of the time they're too busy looking at, I don't know, just, just say he played up or she played up. They're too busy looking at that act. They're not looking at the whole relationship as a whole. Then they've, They're no longer looking at the good of it. Okay, so yes, okay, he may be a bit of a this, but you know what? He's the father of my three children and he's giving me these beautiful children and he's going to be in my life for the rest of the time. So why can't we have an amicable relationship? Who says that we always have to be nasty to each other? So how can I make it so that our kids learn to understand that even though something has happened, you still can grow and be better from it moving forward. So it's always looking at the bigger picture and the bigger picture, not focusing on this one event where you are emotionally upset. We can work through the emotions. That's what we're going to do. And even the kids are then going through this. So as a parent, you need to understand your children can go through these five things as well. They've got to stop, accept, identify. They've got to go through the whole process. Exactly. And it's, it's going to be exactly, it's, go, it's going to be completely different for every single of those five people. Every single step is different because their relationship to it all is different. We're all unique and we all have different relationships. I was talking to a lady the other day. Her husband, um, anyway, they, they left, they, they broke up 18 years ago and her youngest son, who was five at the time, is the only one that has a relationship with the father. The older, two older kids won't have a relationship with him. And I said, well, isn't that sad? And she says, yes, it is sad. She says, but, you know, he's a this and a that and he's that. And I said, but, you know, that's why they don't have a relationship. So once you understand that you're doing it for the bigger and better so that moving forward you have a better relationship, because that's all it is. All your healing is that emotions so that, so that you can have a healthy emotional relationship moving forward. And when you're continually thinking, how can I have a healthy emotional relationship moving forward? You then figure out all of the unhealthy emotions that you've got in your body that require healing and closure. And that's what happens with the next step is you complete. So you can complete all of those, those you know, things from the past so that moving forward, you can say, right, I'm drawing the line in the sand now. So now I can have a healthy one moving forward. You know, the, the greatest example is, is an adult and child relationship. You know, it's the only relationship we have in the whole world. Whereas if you're successful, there's separation. And as a parent, you always want your babies around you. But you understand, no, 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 I'm successful. I've got them to adulthood. So now I complete my relationship as a parent. I now become a mental parent, which is a completely different relationship. And then you get grandkids, so you can do it all again. (laughs) In the complete phase, which I like, so in the complete phase, you you apologise, forgive 
and acknowledge. Yes. Now you do all of this for you. Okay. Yeah. So it's really important people understand that because a lot of, you know, people, oh, I could never forgive them for this. And it's like, do you know what? You're forgiving for you so you can move forward. And you never, ever, you never, ever, ever tell the other person if they're alive that you are apologising for this, you're forgiving for this and you're acknowledging this. It's all for you so that then you are complete because you've gone through the process. And what I really love about this process is you don't ask for forgiveness, you forgive. It's completely different. You apologise instead of asking for forgiveness. It's completely different energy in both in in those two things it's like you're accepting you're it's the emotional yeah, you're just it accepting is. it is what it is and you've tied up the loose ends and that's what yeah and you realize that and and in every relationship we're back to the love and their loss you know there was there's always every relation is up and down i don't even care how great your marriage has been or how great your relationship is you will always have ups and downs and by, by acknowledging all of that and understanding that you were together for whatever time that, so that you could become who you are now and now you are separating so you can become this new person. And that's how I look at Dan and my relationship. Even though we still have a relationship, the only thing that's changed is our physical relationship. Mm. And so we still have this relationship. And, uh, but, so, but he's actually gone more as a mentor for me because I feel that he mentors me now from the other side because he obviously knows a lot more than what I do from a different perspective. Um, so, yeah, so that's what I love about the complete stage. And what can we do as, as employers it, when someone's they're moving through the stage? Is there anything we can do or as a, as a friend to help someone through the completion yeah. stage? You can help them to, to come up with those three things. If you could, what would you like to apologise for? Yeah. What would you like to forgive them for? And what would you like to acknowledge? What we do in this process is we actually write a letter. We never send the letter, mm. but we do read it out loud because when we read things out loud, it sort of cements it all. It cements it in a great way. So you could be the person that they could read it to. You do not comment on it. You just hear it. So that is a great way for you to actually do it. But, and, it, and it's such a beautiful process because, you know, even coming up with those things to put into this letter, and the letter's not that long. It's probably, you know, three pages at the most. And it's really a, um, it's, it's just beautiful stage. It's, it's an amazing stage to, to write this letter for, you know, if, even if it's your pet. You know, like there's so many things that you want to acknowledge from the love that they have given you. We, we got a dog, little Sirius, Sirius Black's his name, S-I-R-I-U-S. We got him a year after Dan passed. And he's just brought so much joy to my husband and I. And, you know, we just love him for that. And we tell him all the time. So it's, yeah, just little things like that. It's, it's. Beautiful for you to be able to complete that process. And our final, you, sorry, and our final yeah. stage. I'm looking at the clock, and I, you've got to I go. Know. The, the, yeah, the, the and that's when stage. we pivot. That's when we pivot. And I know pivot is a word that's been, you know, completely overused at the moment. But this is the correct word for what we actually do, because this is where we go. Right, 
this is where I am and this is where I want to be in all areas of our lives, not just overall, and we then figure out the steps that are required so that we can continually close that gap and close that gap. And do you know what? Pivot is a stage that we all should be doing every year. We should be looking at every single area of our life and saying, right, this is where I am. Where do I want to be? What, where do I really want to be, you know, in the next three months, in the next six months, the next five years? And then figuring it out, what do I require to close that gap? Do I need more skills? Do I need this? Do I need, you know, what do I need? Because when we're continually pivoting, we're continually living and loving our lives. Because we, we, get, we get stuck, don't we? We just get stuck and before you know you it, 20 years, 20 years have gone and you've sort of thought, hang on, I, I haven't been really stoked about where I've been for the last 20 years. But something... Exactly. Yep. Yeah, but not only that, Paul, how quickly does time go? Mm. I swear I was 20, you know, a few weeks ago. <laughs> I'm now in my 60s. It just goes so quickly. Your children grow up so much, you know, so quickly. You just sort of go, oh, my God. It's like you slept through half of it. But you can't, pivot, so and you can't pivot until you've done the others. You've got to stop, accept, identify and complete. Yes. Before you really to, know what you've got to do next. Be, well, you got to, before you know who you, who you can be. Yeah. Because you, if you're emotionally still tied down and you're still angry and you're carrying this grief and you're a little bit depressed, if you're depressed, how can you design a life that you're going to live and love? It's never going to happen. And, and I think from what you're saying, Cara, from what I picked up today, not enough people actually even start the process. They just don't stop. They don't, they don't even they take don't the time stop. to start the process. They don't stop. No, no. And people don't tell you to stop. Yeah. They, they, it's like the things we say, just keep going. You'll be fine. Just keep going. Okay. Give it time. Give it time. Just keep going. There is no, nothing in the words, in the cliches that we say that actually say, stop. I've got a mate of mine, he's listening to this at the moment. I'll, he knows who I'm talking to. He's, uh, he's got to do the first step first and then we'll move on from there, mate, when we speak next. Karen, well, how, can, how can people find out more about you? That, this, I, love, I love this information. I love it's, it's left field. It's stuff that I never even thought about as an employer, as a business owner. Never even crossed my mind that I should worry about the five steps. But you look differently at your employees now, won't you, Paul? Well, I haven't got any more, so it's probably, probably <laughs> for the best. But what, where can they get in contact with you? You've got okay. books, you've got things. Where do they yes, go to get I've got books. So the best place to go is my two websites. So one of them is livelovebydesign.com and the other one is karenchaston.com and chaston is spelled C-H-A-S-T-O-N.com. And, you know, every month I have a Beyond Loss webinar where you can hear more of this. And to get there, just go to Karen Chaston forward slash webinar and you can register and come along. And, look, you can email me, karen at karenchaston.com.au. That does have the AU on it, uh, on my email. And, you know, I, I just love to share this information because I truly wish I had understood this when I was a lot younger. And you're, doing courses, of, you're doing courses, aren't you? So you do you do one-on-one -on -one yep. work, you do courses on this, you do all those things as yep. well, don't you? I do. They can do it by themselves. They can do it in a group or they can do it one-to-one -one with me. And it's it's time. We, we suffer and grieve way too long. We waste so much of our life over 
BS. It's, you know, not that I'm saying a loss of a loved one is BS. It's about understanding that there is a process. The lack of process is what's BS. Because everything I teach people now, it would have been ideal for us to have known when we were at school. Would we have embraced it? Maybe not. But we would have in the back of our minds going, oh, wait a minute, there was a process that they told us about that we can go back to. Let's go back to it. And that's what would have happened. Can you give me the uh, URLs again and your email address again, Karen, so people can find it? Okay, so my email is karen at karenchaston.com.au. Websites is karenchaston.com. And the other websites, livelovebydesign.com. And my webinars are karenchaston forward slash webinar. I love it. Thank you so much for being involved in Profit Club. It it was just the the right time for this because I think it's it's important we all have to have different things and at the the right time and you come along at just the right time. So thank you so much for being involved in Profit Club, Karen. Thank you, Paul, for uh, reaching out. I've really enjoyed our conversation. If you're not a member of Profit Club and you want to get access to great sessions like this one with Karen, um, go to healthbusinessprofits.com forward slash Profit Club. That's healthbusinessprofits.com forward slash Profit Club. Look forward to seeing you next month.